0: This week on Coastal Voices, I will be re-airing my interview with Carrie Newman in light of the witness blanket being unveiled on UVic's campus. The Assembly of First Nations uh, is electing a new chief and we will listen to some homegrown indigenous hip-hop. All this and more on Coastal Voices. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to Coastal Voices. I am your host, Sasha Ouellette. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM. Uh, And if you don't know, Coastal Voices is an Indigenous program produced by Indigenous folks and with content that focuses on Indigenous issues within Canada. So with that, I'm going to introduce my next interview, Last February, I had the honor of visiting artist Carrie Newman's workshop in Victoria, where he and his team were making were working tirelessly on what uh, what Kerry calls a dimensional blanket, which is made out of cedar planks and pieces he and his team have collected from across Canada. The University of Victoria has offered uh, to have that offered space for the witness blanket to exhibit for a month, and yesterday UVic hosted a powerful, cheerful, and awe-inspiring unveiling. During the CUVic conference, uh, different community members referred to as witnesses were gifted woven blankets made in the image of the witness blanket. The Standing Nation drum were honoured to play a huge rectangular drum which Kerry lent them for this occasion, and there were strong words in support of Kerry's work and tearful prayers from elders from Coast Salish territory. It was an incredible privilege to bear witness to this event, and I'd like to thank Kerry and his family and his team for creating such a monumental piece of history. In this interview, I spoke to Carrie Newman from The Witness Blanket. Carrie is a Kwakluth and Coast Salish artist who lives on Coast Salish territory in Vancouver Island. For this project, he traveled across Canada to collect pieces from residential schools. Part of those pieces include anything from brick to moccasins to the Indian Act of Canada, which he requested from the Canadian government. The witness blanket is now on display at the University Centre at the University of Victoria. You can see it there until June 12th. It's quite the sight to behold. This is the interview.
1: Today I'm speaking to Carrie Newman. Uh, he is uh, artist behind the Witness Blanket. I have a few questions for him today. What is the Witness Blanket? For those who don't know, the
2: Witness Blanket is a. It's an art piece meant to um, honor residential school survivors, and um, it's a piece that I've been making that's made up of items we've gathered from residential schools, government buildings, churches, and traditional structures across the country. Mm -hmm. The end result will be a 40 foot by 8 foot blanket. that has the bases, this, the majority of it is made up from cedar, and then the rest of the pieces that we've collected are mounted to or applied somehow to the surface of that cedar.
1: And uh, where around the country have you been collecting uh, materials? Um,
2: <coughs> we've been to every province and territory.
1: Wow. <laughs> okay, so, including like
2: um, Nunavut, <laughs> Leklavik, uh So all all through the north, all through the Maritimes, Hmm. um, we've managed to make it to every part, every corner of the country.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Have you found people to be receptive to your project in a good way, or are people more negative because it's a very sensitive thing, asking for objects from residential schools?
2: We took a very, um, we were very careful in our approach to the project, mm-hmm. uh, understanding that it's it's a sensitive, sensitive subject. Understanding that <coughs> that um, even the question, even s- asking somebody if they're willing to talk about it, can bring up a lot of of mm-hmm. bad feelings, um, a lot of uh, a lot of scary stuff. So well, we approached it very carefully. We tried to make sure that. We did things not just in a respectful way, but in a way where we were making sure that we were um, that supports were available. Yeah. Just like at every stage of the process. Um, and the vast majority of the response has been positive.
1: That's awesome.
2: I was careful early on in my sort of what would you call that? Not philosophical approach, but my the way that I. I thought we should approach this from a, a, a personal perspective. Was to say to not make to not assign anything any sort of meaning to the blanket. Not have any sort of agenda that mm-hmm. we we're trying to impress upon people. So that so that the blanket becomes a representation of everybody's story mm-hmm. and what they want it to say. So when they give us a piece, we take their take their story. Um, and we <coughs> record it so that, um, like for instance, we're, what we're looking at right here is a mock-up or a, a pattern piece for one of the panels, mm-hmm. and I'm just starting to lay out the individual pieces. There's going to be a framework that's the same on the same across the whole blanket to create a uniformity, but then within that, um, like your this space is what is that like? two feet by two feet diamond shape. All of the pieces will be moved and changed to fit, uh, like for instance right here is gonna be a pair of moccasins. This is gonna be a brick. And I'm just working my way through pulling pieces from different boxes and trying to fit it together so that we've got, I've got a nice blend of materials and colors and like doing the artistic side of this thing. And then recording carefully where the piece came from, so where these moccasins came from, who gave them to us, what their story is, so that when somebody goes to the virtual version of this blanket and highlights or clicks onto the this photograph mm-hmm. of the, these moccasins, they will be able to access all of that story, all that oh. information. So it's giving people an outlet to express whatever it is they have to express. If it's anger, if it's sadness, if it's pain... Um, if it's defiance, all of those things that survivors um, have to say about their experience. And then the same goes across all of the different things that we've done. Because we're taking pieces from churches, they have a chance to say what they feel about the reconciliation process. For um, so this is like assembling these, well, I call them pieces of history, um, but we're also assembling the meaning, the context of them, the stories of them. And so I guess that that part of it makes it a little easier when we're going to somebody because we're we're not trying to tell them what to say. Yeah. We're just letting people put out whatever's in, inside of them.
1: And I guess that makes it uh, more therapeutic than anything for some people. I mean, it can be triggering, but it can also be good to talk about it and and have, like, reconciliation behind it. I don't know if that's the right word, but...
2: Our hope is certainly that that that's the direction it goes, Mm -hmm. but um, like I said, I try not to to set any sort of narrative or agenda, Mm -hmm. Um, so saying that it's therapeutic would be setting an agenda. It's I, that's my hope: is mm-hmm. that people who go, who, who take part in this, find some sort of uh, positive benefit to mm-hmm. to doing it. People, uh, and and what I wanted to leave is a legacy, to that that explains the truth of the situation mm-hmm. from all perspectives, so that, and and I guess, we we read we read articles, newspaper or stories, we hear things on the radio, we. See uh, painted artworks. We see video or movie about this thing, this time, and I think that the perspective that I'm trying to offer is when you look at these items with their age, and you hear the story that directly relates to them. For me, it it's a it's a once, once again a different perspective because mm-hmm. furnaces have a doorknob a brass doorknob that was from a boy's residence. <clears throat> and when I see the doorknob and I find out found out where it was from, I start imagining all the hands that open that doorknob every night, right? Mm. We have a doorway for the infirmary that's going to be one of the panels on the blanket. And I think about all the people who went through that door mm. and what happened inside there. So it, it offers something that's from that time and place to... Illustrate for, for lack of a better mm-hmm. uh, word, exactly what uh, th- what's going on in, in the story that's this. Mm-hmm.
1: And being interactive and having the virtual access to that will be, I mean, it'll be really good for people who may ha- not have any experience or any narrative around these objects.
2: Yeah, and it puts it into tries to explain it in a different context, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're also organizing that whole virtual. I think, into age-appropriate curriculum. Mm -hmm. So certain stories will be available for certain age groups, and Mm -hmm. then as you go uh, further and further through until you get to high school or university, then the whole stories, all of those stories are available. Mm -hmm. But to, to be able to have children see the brick and learn about the brick and think about the brick from, oh... From the idea of, well, some children didn't get to stay with their parents, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, what's appropriate to talk to a child about. Yeah, for sure. And then other things where we get deeper into the abuses or that sort of thing, then that would be for, obviously, for later on in, in the, the process of mm-hmm. the or the curriculum. But it's hopefully leaving uh, a resource, a curriculum resource for mm. future generations to learn about what happened
1: yeah and it's not really uh in existence like anywhere else Well type of curriculum (coughs) like that
2: there is some um that's been being developed but Mm -hmm. we've heard over and over again throughout the travels that we've been on that that it's it's lacking there isn't Mm -hmm. very much of it out there Mm -hmm. so (coughs) taking what we've gathered and organizing it to be used in that way i think will be um well just another another benefit or another yeah. um, legacy piece for the...
1: When did you start conceptualizing this project? And can you remember if there was, like, a moment that you came up with the idea or if it was, like, the culmination of events where it came into fruition and you are like, I have to do this?
2: Yeah. Um, I first heard about the... It was through the Truth and Reconciliation Commemorate Commemorations Initiative. Mm-hmm. And they put a call out, like, about three years ago now, and that's when I first read about it and started thinking about it. And I did come up with the idea, I guess, two and a half years ago. But it took me a good year to come to the decision that it's something that I wanted to take on and that I wanted to, well, try to take on, I guess, yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. apply for it. Um, so I... And, and the very first idea was only pieces from residential schools. Mm -hmm. And then the the idea grew because I was thinking of it from a perspective of reconciliation. It needs to tell the whole story. We need pieces from the government buildings where decisions about how Aboriginals were treated were made. So we have pieces from from Parliament. I believe we've now confirmed that we're getting pieces from almost every province. So we're just waiting to hear on one provincial government and then we'll have commitments from every single province. We either have the pieces here or we're, they're on their way. Um, we're working on getting a piece of the Supreme Court. Hmm. Um, so those, for me, those represent the places where decisions about how aboriginals were viewed were made. Hmm. And and so they were part of the early Part where we were not treated well, and mm-hmm. they were also part of the changes that we see happening still today. Mm-hmm. Um, that are gradually getting better and completely. I mean, <coughs> you never say things are great, but mm-hmm. but when you take we have in the other room um, the first an original first edition of the Indian Act, and when you take what's in there and how. Savages are mm-hmm. described, mm-hmm. and you consider where we are today. We've come a long ways. Definitely. There's still there's still room for improvement, but um, <clears throat> the parla- parliament was part of the first paper and part of the most recent papers, mm-hmm. right? So I guess that um, that for me, having all of those buildings have a purpose. The reason I want to have church. Pieces from the denominations of churches that were involved in residential schools is because they had a big, big role to play, yeah. and they can also have a big role to play in relations going forward. Yeah. Um, so it's up to everybody who contributes how they want to make that. What how how they want to talk about what a first off what what their role was then and. Aside so from that, their
1: role can be you know. Yeah, going forward. That's good. I mean, have you had a good response from uh, the government and I guess different facets of parliament, or is it kind of like mixed? Um, it,
2: we actually, it was in some cases, it was a lot easier to, uh, uh, we got a lot better response than we expected. Like, for instance, we. It really didn't take us very long to get through uh, some commitments from the federal government, which I thought was going to be the hardest one. Mm-hmm. But then other places, provinces, where I thought, well, they were, they're going to have a healthy view of what we're doing, were very, uh, very resistant. Mm-hmm. And it came down to us making sure that we were, we were not asking them to admit any wrong, mm. because that's always the thing, right? Yeah they don't want to put themselves in a situation where they're going to be held liable by participating. Yeah. And we're just saying, no, all we're looking for are pieces so that we can illustrate history. Mhm. And so that's how we slowly started started to get through those those barriers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we had a lot of help from from like for instance the the provincial the BC provincial government helped us with making connections with other Provincial governments, hmm. other than the provincial counterparts, government so it's the particularly the last few weeks we've had a lot of good news on those.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's good to hear. Um, do you find this project has brought you closer to your own spirituality and culture, and uh, and how and how have you seen that transform? Um.
2: See. I would say that more than anything has tested it um i suppose that What I mean by that is (coughs) as part of the story gathering you hear so many things um, (coughs) that I've always kind of known the generalized things Mm -hmm. that happen but never the I've never had specific things told to me by specific people that it happened to. Mm-hmm. So that makes it much more real. Mm-hmm. Um, that changes the changes how how a person can feel about things. Um, and so I found that the that my connection to culture had it ha- I have to um, continue to renew and keep it strong because it's the, really the, the only thing that can keep me healthy at this point. Mm. Um, and I think it's uh, we've had similar experience with a lot of the people who are involved in this. Um, there's more... There's so many things going on um, that we're encountering that we have to really be careful to... Keep looking after our our spirit.
1: Mm,
2: yeah. um, and it's funny to say because a lot of times people will, will feel guilty because feeling like run down or or whatever from doing this work feels like a bit of cop out when you consider that people who are telling the stories have been through the the real deal. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: but everybody involved in it has to look after themselves.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so. I don't know I would say it was it's brought me closer to my culture but it certainly made me focus on um the importance of the spirituality part Mm -hmm. um and and it's helped me to see how much spirit can be carried in the pieces that we've collected Mm -hmm. some of them have an amazing amount of power or weight that that travels with them Mm
1: -hmm. it's important work that you're doing here and uh I'm grateful that you're doing it. It's really important to see artists put themselves uh, in a vulnerable state for the the overall good of of our nations. This is kind of a a big question. Uh, What is the process for the creation of the witness blanket <laughs> and now that I'm here I can see there's a lot of different stuff going can on.
2: Do you want to bring your recorder and we'll walk around a little bit and show okay, you sure. what everybody's doing. You'll probably hear the tools in the background every once in a while.
1: Yeah, that'll be good.
2: <laughs> so, um, this is Colin. Hi, Colin. Hi. Colin is um, cutting all the little... Pieces of cedar down to the design shapes that, mm-hmm. that we've that I've laid out for the overall sh- size and shape of the blanket. So we have everything from um, triangles, squares, long, different different shapes, and we have boxes and we have pieces of cedar drying. So this is just the sort of in-house portion. Once they get cut down to size, they get sanded to an even more precise size. Then over here <coughs> this is Tais, he's working on mounting the backs of the book boxes. The book boxes are going to house the Indian art. So we have um, we have 34 books, dating back to 1857, actually predates York that are going to go in these boxes and they're going to hang from the base of the blanket.
1: Hmm.
2: And you'll be able to see them. You won't be able to touch them because there'll be um, plexy in between. But I felt like it was important to have them there because they're kind of the foundation for everything that's happened. There's a ton of sanding that goes on in this in this place. <laughs> <laughs> um, The next step after they're sanded is they need to be split in half. Um, So they get split in half and then one side goes on one side of the cables and other side on the other side and they get um, screwed together to clamp Mm. over top of the cable. Then I'll show you a, a graphic of what we're working on. So that's in real size, that will be 40, well, 39 feet three inches from there to there. Um, when it's set up, it'll come off the wall like that and go back. Oh, cool! And you'll actually be able to walk. See right here.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: a doorway. Yeah. And that doorway is going to be this door, which is the door for the infirmary at St. Mike's. Oh my God. Bay.
1: Yeah. How do you feel having? A, how do you feel having this in your space?
2: Yeah, it's been it's been tough. I think that that's when I was talking about the amount of spirit a piece can carry with it. It can carry some pretty heavy things, and I found that I've been sick a lot this year. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm really trying to stay healthy, and I think it has to do with that. What we're doing coming up in about two weeks, because we're we should have all the pieces here. We should have a lot of the. Um, assembly taken care of is we're having the entire team come here to do um a cleansing
1: hmm. and we're
2: gonna brush everybody off and brush all of the pieces off and try to um try to make sure that we have the that we're all properly centered for the for the the last little bit of putting everything yeah. together um but for me personally how I how I deal with the um with having them here is I talk to them. I literally talk to the to the pieces um, when I'm down here by myself mm-hmm. and explain what I'm doing and yeah. what what my what my intentions are, where my heart is, so that hopefully any any spirits that are with them can I dunno can at least understand that I'm not Treating them without respect, right? Uh, I, sh- I should finish up with by, by saying that the other part of the process was all the travel to collect all the oh pieces. Oh, yeah. And it, there's also a lot of... <clears throat> the last part is going to be mounting. Like, we've got a lot of textile things, so they're going to go in shadow box frames. Yeah. Um, mounting things like skates or doorknobs or mm-hmm. crystal all onto the various parts of the blanket where they're going to fit. You see these big, the big squares again that's where all those individual pieces are going to go. Mm-hmm. Photographs are going to go on the corners and those those dark areas <coughs> and documents that we have are going to go on them as well. Mm-hmm. And they'll be transferred like like the piece over there that you pointed out earlier. But, uh, they're actually printed or transferred right to the surface of the wood. So those are that's like the last part. There's a whole lot of sort of figuring out how to mount things. Um, there's a whole lot of that process of transferring the image, images, whether it's photograph or document, um, and that whole part about streaming cables, because that's the the whole thing will be flexible. Because this is a cedar that we're talking about, ranging like I think the the biggest one is uh, maybe two feet long,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and maybe ten inches wide is the widest that we're gonna have. So. The rest of there this with all the spacing between all of those pieces across 40 feet. Uh, it's it's stainless steel cable pulls it all together. So there will be sort of movement. movement.
1: Yeah, like a piece. blanket. Yeah. Um, is this different from your usual art? And
2: uh. yeah, it's completely different. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, majority of what I do is p- pretty typical stuff like totems or jewelry or masks or boxes or mm-hmm. drums, and so it's. Um, creating and designing something that the biggest difference between what I normally do and this um, is that this will really have no, none of my aboriginal design on it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like uh, I'm assembling all these pieces and I've made a lot of the decisions to do, I've made all the decisions to do with patterns mm-hmm. of the layout. And this is, the pattern is based off of a quill belt. That I saw,
1: hmm.
2: um, in my in the in this whole traveling process. But it's funny because I had already laid out this diamond pattern, um, and then I saw this quill belt that had the same, almost the exact same diamond pattern wow. combined with a with those squares, oh. a square pattern. And so I added the square pattern at that point. And I think that that so. It, the processes sort of influence it, but I'm not. Sh- I'm not carving. I'm not sculpting. I'm not using my Aboriginal design skills. I'm coming at this from a completely different perspective mm-hmm. than than I've ever come. To
1: yeah, this is a, a completely unique thing.
2: I've stayed away from I, I go back, to go back to your earlier question about how I came up with the idea, mm-hmm. when I first started thinking of them I was trying to think of a totem or mm-hmm. some sort of sculpture I could do that would that could represent it and it, every time I thought of something it felt completely too small and <laughs> it was too west coast for lack of a better term too quaggiles or salish but so <coughs> part of the reason I've stayed away from any sort of Aboriginal design content is because I want it to be universal. I don't mm-hmm. want it to be this piece that was made by a guy from the West Coast that really only represents the West Coast. I want it to be more about all of our people from across the whole country. So I want the piece to reflect all of how the variety of pieces that are on it. Therefore, I didn't want to put my own form line work mm-hmm. to work here.
1: Where will this be? Like, where can you find the witness blanket? Have you decided?
2: The first thing that's going to happen is it's going to be on tour. We're working on exactly how that's going (laughs) to take place, but the first place it's going to be shown is at UVic. There's a community engagement conference that's coming up in May, Mm -hmm. and it will be unveiled there for the first time.
1: Wow, I'm really looking forward to seeing that after, especially seeing all of this and all of the pieces that go to work and all the people that are participating in it. And um, watching the video of you know you guys traveling around and talking to different people in different territories, and that really uh, stuck with me. And the little pieces that you found in different places, yeah, it was really, really important. I think. Where can people find out more about this project and how to donate or help?
2: Um, they can first take a look at our website. It's uh, www.witnessblanket.ca, mm-hmm. um, or our Facebook or Twitter, which are Witness Blanket on Facebook, <laughs> at Witness Blanket on Twitter. Okay. Then we we're not at the point where we're accepting mm-hmm. any any like financial donations, but we're still at well. I guess we're very near the end of our collection process for contributions of, of items or stories. Mm-hmm. Um. We will, however. As we get into the tour, because it's not a funded, fully funded, we uh, be looking for for people to help out and various sources of funding to, to make that as good of a tour that goes to as many places as we can. I- ideally, I'd like it to go to the same ple- same thing, all 13 problems and territories, yeah. so that it goes back to where it came from. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're working towards, and hopefully we're, we'll, in some way or another, realize all of that.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome.
0: Once again, that was Karen Newman from the Witness Blanket Project. And the Witness Blanket is now up at UVic on the quad at University Center and will be present until June 12th of this year. You can go and see it, and it's really, truly something to behold. Uh, Coming up after the break, I'll have some Indigenous hip-hop, and we're going to talk about some news. So stay tuned to Coastal Voices 101.9 FM on CFUV. Oh, it's Tanya Tagak and Buck 65 from her album Auk Blood. Uh, the song's called Gentle. Tanya Tagak has a new album out now, so you should check that out. It's um, in stores and on onla- online, and she is doing a tour right now. So if you're lucky enough, you can check her out. I think she's playing in New York and Manitoba, uh, specifically with orchestras. Um, up next is news. Time. Okay, according to APTN, Wab Canoe is a who is an award-winning journalist and educator is contemplating running for national chief for the Assembly of First Nations. Um some of you may know that Sean Atleo recently resigned. So, uh <coughs> they weren't planning on electing someone until next fall but it seems that while Kanu is going to step up to the plate he is uh, predominantly recognized for his work on CBC's 8th fire series in 2012 and Kanu who is said to be seeking spiritual counsel in this decision ha- was said to uh, come to a final decision is said to c- come to a final decision on Tuesday um, the chiefs of the Assembly of First Nations are expected to decide on the electoral process to replace resigned Chief Sean Atlia on May 27th, so much sooner than expected. Congratulations to a tribe called Red for their Much Music Video Awards nomination. They've been nominated for Best Dance Video for their recent video, Sisters. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's a great video, lots of. Uh, Lots of great dancing and music in there. Uh, The Much Music Video Award Ceremony will be presented on June 15th, which is just a week before Aboriginal Day Live in Halifax, where they will be performing. Uh, The Chief Justice of Federal Court of Canada has ordered a motion to to see that the... Day's Scholars Lawsuit will be certified as Class Action. The motion will be held on April 15, 2015 and continue for the remainder of the week till April 20. In August so 2012, uh Band and Sechelt Band launched the Scholars Class Action Lawsuit against Canada to seek compensation for band members who had attended residential school but who did not live at the schools. Over the past two years, there has been a number of bureaucratical roadblocks in this process and now the Chief Justice is now pushing for forward action for the lawsuit to move on to the next stage and to ultimately be resolved. Last week, United Nations Representative James Anaya issued an official report urging the federal government to improve relations with Indigenous people across Canada. This week, chiefs from across the country are imploring the Prime Minister Stephen Harper to listen to the innumerable reports of unsolved and missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, and pushing for an inquiry. For more news, uh, stay tuned. Up next, we have some event announcements in Victoria and uh, some music. Uh, up next, going to play Sisters by A Tribe Called Red in celebration of their new uh, nomination for the Much Music Video Awards. That, thanks for listening to Coastal Voices on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Fantastic! If you don't know who that is, first I had uh, A Tribe Called Red playing with Sisters featuring no- Northern Voice once again celebrating their nomination for the MMVAs. And after that it was Ghost Keeper from Horse Chief, War Thief with Luella. Coming up this week and next month, next Thursday, May twenty second, join members of the Wasnack Nation to commemorate the one year anniversary of the reclamation of Picols, the mountain formerly known as Mount Dag. Uh, The public is invited to gather at the base of the mountain where Shelburne meets Cedar Hill Road at. 5 p.m. where we will walk to the summit for a community picnic at 6 p.m. That's Thursday, May 22nd. 5 p.m. that's tomorrow. And Saturday, June 21st is National Aboriginal Day, and UVic will be celebrating it for the first time ever. Uh, So for more info on the festivities at UVic, you can check out the First Peoples House webpage. And on also on the 21st, the Standing Nation drum is going to be holding a powwow at the Songhees Wellness Centre. Uh, it's the summer solstice powwow, and if you've never been to a powwow, it's going to be an amazing occasion. You can also sign up as an Indigenous artisan through January Rogers on Facebook. Uh, we're still looking to fill tables, and I think it's 50 bones for a table, and that gives you like 10 feet of table where you can sell your crafts, arts, whatever you're looking to sell. I'll be there selling some of my goods and uh, enjoying the powwow Uh, there's plenty of food and and dancers and regalia and it's just such a wonderful cultural celebration so once again the Songhees Nation and Standing Nation drum drum group are inviting you to that and it's from noon to 10pm at the Songhees Wellness Centre at uh, 1100 Admirals Road uh, that's on traditional Lekwungen territory in Victoria, B.C and it's free and and everybody is invited and um, that's again on June 21st, that's a Saturday and you can take the 24 and I believe the 14 and number 25 bus stop to get close to there uh, if you were wondering about that um, That kind of wraps it up for me Up next, Straight Note Chaser As usual, playing some jazz And then next week Kat thornton will be on my show uh, Talking about the work she does In the downtown east side And with youth in Vancouver And Greater Vancouver area um, All that and more on next week Coastal Voices, thanks for tuning in I'm Sasha, you can find me on Facebook On Twitter And uh, on SoundCloud, the CFUV SoundCloud if you missed anything today, feel free to hit up the CFUV SoundCloud. We should have this episode up uh, by tomorrow. And uh, so I'm gonna leave you with some whoopso and 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 before that, Dolly Parton, I think, because I really like this song. Okay, thanks for listening.